Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of the World Football Index podcast. Tonight, as usual, the transfer windows have closed uh, for January and we're going to have our usual look back at at the highlights around the world um, of the transfers that have taken place. And joining me as always, uh, Mr. Angulo, how are you this evening? Armando, all good with you? A bit rushed, but we're here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Dave, perfect. Just got out of work, ready to talk a little bit about football, you know, and and, then we have a great guest in Leroy uh, and we're ready just to do this. I'm excited, man. Indeed we do. Uh, a very nice segue in there. And our guest this evening is uh, Leroy Ma, all the way from uh, Malaysia. How are you this evening, Leroy? All good with you? Yep, it's morning over here. Um, just before yeah. heading out to work, so this is brilliant. <laughs> Football before right. work, I cannot complain about that. I, I don't know. I could. I think that's dedication way over and above the call of service. To <laughs> that one. And I'm just not a morning person. Not anymore. But listen, let, let's get down to it. And we'll start off with maybe some of the more um, obscure leagues, some of, some of the leagues, you know, maybe the Far East and so on. And we'll work our way back in towards the, uh, the, the more popular leagues. So, uh, you know, taking a look at the transfer window uh, in regards to maybe around the Asian leagues and whatnot, um, Leroy, what, what caught your attention? What caught your eye? Yeah, I think um, we'll just start off with the the uh, very famous uh, Holland and Belgium um, partnership there. So I, I guess there are four um, transfers that caught my eye. And, and I guess we'll start with the Belgian ones. Um, Victor Valdez from Menu to um, to Standard Liège, I think... Um, Valdez was always going to leave United considering um, De Gea is still getting minutes there. So not one that is all too surprising, but for him to go to Standard Liège is something that I think is pretty interesting. You wouldn't expect him to go to, to the Belgian League uh, with all due respect to them, but you would think that he might want to move back to Spain or something like that, but okay, all, all, all due respect to him. And also um, the other one is uh, Philippe Durisic. He was a really, really talented attacking midfielder from if my mind doesn't slip me up, it's um, uh, SC Hirenwin from the Eredivisie. And then he moved to Benfica and, and had loan spells in Southampton, but nothing ever seemed to pan out. So he moved to, to Anderlecht, which is a little bit of a step down, but not too bad. If he can pick his career back up from there, I think uh, he'll be a fine player in maybe a year from now. 
No, indeed. Leroy, have you any information? You know, as you say, the Victor Valdez deal, um, you know, it's a little bit of a weird one. And you would imagine, um, you know, you don't really associate big money moves and big money wages with uh, with the Belgian league. Um, was was there any was there any information at all on on maybe how much the deal was worth, uh, how much how much wages? Um, I'm I'm not too sure about the wages because wages are always always going to be so. Um be, they'll be as secretive about it as possible. I, I think the move made sense in, if, if you look at it in, in a, because it's a, it's just a loan for, for six months, I believe. But something for, for the Euros, maybe he's still looking to get into the, in, into the Euro 2016 squad for Spain. So, Standard Leeds is some, somewhere that he can sort of guarantee minutes because I don't think anyone in, in Belgium is as good as him in terms of the, in terms of the goalkeeping department. So perhaps that's why he went there, but, I I I don't know. I don't think his future lies with Man United, to be honest. No, indeed. I, I actually thought it was a permanent move. <laughs> My apologies, Mando. Have you have you any thoughts on those ones? Uh, yeah, Libra. I just wanted to ask on this Victor Valdez move. What what kind of impact do you expect that to have for the rest of the season for for Standard Liège and and for that uh, that table? To be honest, um, I I haven't been keeping up with the with the Belgian League all too much. So I wish I could tell you how they are doing and things like that, but um. I've been watching more, more, um, a few games here and then looking at some of the more talented players. But at, at the moment, I don't think there's, there's all too much to, to shout about. At Standard Leeds, um, most of their star players have already left. So, um, Valdez will be, will be the rose among the thorns, maybe. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Leroy, let's move on to the end of the visa, man. What, do you, what, what kind of info do you have for us there? Yeah, for, for the Eredivisie, I have, um, just two outs from the Eredivisie and, and those two are, are pretty significant if you ask me. And the first one is Usama Tanan. He, he was a, a really talented player. He, he's sort of like that Usama Asaidi, but a little bit better and, and a little bit of, has a little bit higher of a ceiling. And, um, he was started to be one of the, the top prospects, but he's sort of fallen off in the last one, two years. So um, I guess pretty cool to see him go to Saint Etienne and try to ply his trade in, in in the League One. So that that's pretty cool. And and the second one is the more interesting one, and that's Jeffrey Gouvelu. He's a really good centre back. He's probably one of the best centre backs since uh, Steve, uh Stefan De Vries, I think. And he moves from AZ to uh, AZ Alkmaar to Augsburg, um, one of the um, one of Liverpool's contenders in, in the, um, in the Europa League. So it'd be cool to, to see how Liverpool fare against him or, or, or the other way around, uh, more like. And it's only for, for a deal of like, what, 3 million euros, I think. So that's hardly a gamble, hardly a risk. And if, if he does, uh, fulfill his potential, he's gonna move to, to a bigger club and, and Augsburg will, We'll definitely profit from that if need be. Yeah, Leroy, we tend to see that. Like you said, it's not a big money deal, but it could be a player that makes a, a big impact for his new club. And, and we tend to see that a lot in the end of the visa. We tend to see some deals get done at, at probably below market value, we would seem, across Europe. And they seem to be quality players that seem to regularly contribute to their sides. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, 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 like I said in our last uh, transfer podcast, I think the area division is filled with a lot of young talent but you just need that right coach or the right team to develop them and and once you develop them then uh i guess when you look at it in hindsight they become uh low risk high rewards kind of kind of players so if if you're really smart and you go and tap into these kind of markets i think um one not only do you save um a little bit on the financial side but two you you probably get to see the development of a player who's really talented but still not there yet and and if you do and if you do well then 
you get a really awesome, awesome player there with you. Right on. And, and yeah, Leroy, there's one particular move that, that happened in the, the visa that I'm, I'm particularly curious about. Um, I follow PSV quite a bit because of Andres Guardado and Hector Moreno and that Mexican contingent that they have going on there. So I do tend to watch quite a few PSV games. They, they just signed on loan Marco van Hinkle. He came from, uh, Chelsea, but he was playing at Stoke. What are your thoughts on that move, and how do you think it will affect his career, and how do you think that will uh, help PSV going forward? I, I really, really love Marco Van Ginkel. Um, I, I loved him ever since he said um, that Steven Gerrard was his idol, and he was sort of begging for a move to, to actually play with Steven Gerrard, so probably a missed opportunity there by Liverpool, but he hasn't fulfilled his potential in, in, in the English Premier League, probably because he was injured, but he is such a talent. I don't think um, Holland has seen a, a, a midfielder since Kevin Scrutman, and, and we know what happened to Kevin Scrutman as well. He got injured and never quite fulfilled his potential. I think it's the same case here with Marco Van Ginkel. At least Van Ginkel has still has a lot of years ahead of him, and the move back to PSV, not only does it um, give him playing time, but it also of let him let him pace himself back after that that injury and he did pretty well for Stoke uh, against Liverpool so um in in the Capital One Cup semi final so I I think Marco Van Ginkel moving back to PSV probably some people will see it as as a step back but I think it's one step back two steps forward and with that move I think PSV they should be running away with the league now I think um they have one of the most complete squads in the Eredivisie and and. I think um it was uh Michel uh Jongsma um at Jongsma Jongsma on um Twitter. He said that there are so few players that can actually break into into this PSV Eindhoven squad because of the the big gap between PSV and AX and the rest of the league. So Marco Van Kinkel going there is gonna make things even even harder for AX to keep up. It's gonna make it even even harder for the the lower leagues uh the the lower teams to 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 pick up. So PSV should be running away to the league. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with that. And, I, and I'm a big fan of Marco Van Hinkle as well. And I think that this is a good move. Like you said, people would think this is a step back because the league, I guess, isn't as prestigious as some of the other leagues or the quality isn't what it, it could be in some of the other leagues. But if he's getting consistent play time getting into the Euros, this can only be a positive. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, this move not only is good for his long-term career, but it also sort of um, gives him that, that small, obscure chance of actually breaking into that Holland um Holland team soon, even though Holland are not in the Euros, but he will want to break into to the to the national team as soon as possible. Absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Can I just butt in here because I have a question actually for both of you, and, and, and it's something that you you know has been mentioned during this transfer window, and we're going slightly off on a tangent with it, but I don't care. How much do you feel, Leroy and Armando, that the up and coming international tournaments in the summer? You know, we we have the Olympics, we have a Copa America, and we also have the Euros. How much do you think that has impacted on this window with players really wanting to stay put, wanting to keep, you you know, their form in in teams that they're established in? Do you think that was a big impact on, you know, what was a very, very sort of quiet window? Certainly transfer deadline day was, was a, was a bit weak. Well, what would your thoughts be on it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think for me, it's, 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 it's a big deal because playing for your national team is the pinnacle for a lot of these players, right? And, and to cement yourself in that position, I think there's a lot of teams that are in transition, like the Dutch are in a little bit of a transition. So this move for Marco Van Hinkle can help him get into these spots and cement these places. For example, for us, for the Mexican national team, Guillermo Ochoa had a stellar World Cup. He was probably our best player. He kept us in a lot of games. He had a fucking brilliant game against Brazil. Everybody will remember it. 
everywhere, right? Guillermo Ochoa, the name on everybody's lips after the World Cup, goes to Malaga from France. He sits on the bench. He hasn't gotten a game really since. He struggled to get anything more than a Copa del Rey, and, and he hasn't been playing. He's been kept on the bench. And now, with Copa America coming up, the Olympics coming up, he might not be on either one of those rosters. And that's something that's a shame. So it is, it does have a huge impact, and we'll see it also affect transfers in the summer it'll affect how much people will pay after these tournaments for certain players if they have a great tournament and things like that so a lot of this does matter and i think for teams it would have been important to get moves done in this window if they could have uh before a lot of these players market value does go up no yeah, i hear you I, I think good, yeah. leroy what, what would your spin on it be would would, would you have anything different there from mando no no i think i think i'm got his spot on there i think um for for in, in a player's point of view i think um you you get the first half of the season to to assess your how many how just how much you'll be playing for the next six months and there will be players who say okay I'm not happy with how how much um how much playing time I'm getting now and and with knowing that this um competition A or, or cup B is, is coming up in, in in the summer you definitely would want to move if if you know that oh I'm not gonna get playing time and I need it if I want to break into any national team um. Like for example, the 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 Marco Van Ginkel one, even though it might not affect him that much because uh Holland Holland is not in the Euros, but he would definitely want to break into that side as soon as possible. And and for players like Victor Valdez and, and a few players that maybe uh, later on we will discuss about them, but especially for the Sp- for the Spanish team, the Italian team, and the and the and the English team, uh, any players that are trying to break into them, they will want to break into them now and and get as much playing time now for the Euros. No, I hear. Of you know, let, let, let's call it premier names uh, moving, and and you know e- even you look at the likes of, of the bigger clubs in England and the bigger clubs around the, the, the leagues in Europe, that you know the top end of, of the table did v- so little business, which suggests that there was so little quality actually available at this time, and 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 I just wondered how the two maybe married in together, you know these tournaments coming up, and and you know th- there's great opportunities for 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 young players as well there with the Olympics and whatnot, you, you know it's a, it's going to be a, a very full summer uh, of football tournaments. But where do, where do you want to take us next, uh, Leroy? Yeah, I, I think I think um, this is somewhere that uh, you will like personally, Dave. And, and this is the 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 moves within the Chinese league because, <laughs> as you know, the, the, Chi- it was the it Chinese was thirty five Brazilians now have moved there in the last twelve months. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean to add to like the um, the Paulinos and, and like the the Elkersons, that that I think um, maybe four or five uh, moves. Uh, for Bra- Bra- uh, for the Brazilians to China to the Chinese league and and the Chinese clubs are just whew, m- money comes comes out like water for them and and it's crazy. So, um, do you want me to get get into a few names that that you guys would probably like to hear? Yeah, and and, and I'll just I'll just explain to you. You know, you you said there really about you know there's plenty of money in the league and that's half the reason the Brazilians are going there is because they're not being paid on time. Sometimes they're not being paid two or three months at a, at a time in Brazil. And mm-hmm. when you when it's your living, you can't live like that. So you know this is this has been the driver and the catalyst for Qatar and and, and China to, to start lifting um, Brazilian players. Yep. So um, I, I guess. The, the ones I have are more, uh, well-known names, um, because I, I don't want to clock this, uh, podcast with, with, uh, random names that, that not a lot of people might know, but feel free to chime in on anywhere that, that I might miss out. So, um, if you watch the Bundesliga, you know about, uh, Renato Augusto, the, the, the attacking midfielder who played for, um, Bayer Leverkusen. He actually moved from, uh, Corinthians to the Chinese league. Um, that, yep. that was pretty interesting for me. I was pretty shocked to see that well, happening as well. Near, nearly all of Corinthians actually moved during this window. <laughs> they were probably the most active club in the world. 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. And and if if you are um familiar with the Italian league, uh, this this may not be a Brazilian, but but this is Freddie Huarin who actually moved from Inter Milan to to Shanghai, and and that's that's pretty crazy as well. Um, Freddie Huarin was a was a pretty good player if you ask me. Um, he was a very um Vidal like kind of um center midfielder, and and moving to Shanghai, um, it might reflect just uh how good or bad he's been playing in in, in recent times. So that that's pretty sad to see. Um, other than that, I think uh, for more more of a Brazilian flavor, I think uh, Ramirez, Ramirez from Chelsea moving to Jiangsu. Yeah. I think that's that's big, big money signing. Wow, uh, I I just don't know how um Chelsea managed to pull it off. I think it was like um upwards of of twenty million euros or something like that. And crazy crazy move. Um, I I don't know just how much it will impact his um his career moving forward, especially with the national team, but. I, I just don't know how Chelsea managed to get 20 or a million for, for Ramirez. Um, he's not a bad player, but definitely not a, a 20 million, uh, no kind of player. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I, I'm certain, um, certainly, I would say probably his likelihood of ever playing for, for the national team again, barring massive injuries would be pretty low, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's fair to say. Um, other, um, I guess not so big um, names are, are Javinho and, and Stephen Ambia. They also moved to the Chinese league and also not sure how that's going to affect their career um, national team-wise, but uh, um, pro- probably just going for the money, if you, if you ask me to be honest. Um, the, the last one, and I think this happened just yesterday, and this is pretty pretty crazy news, is Jackson Martinez actually moving from Atletico Madrid to um Guangzhou at uh, Evergrande and for huge money as well. I think it was thirty-one million pounds or something like that after a horrible wow. year. That is that is crazy, crazy thing. China is just going crazy with, with the players. They they really have to build a a mega league there and and going for these Brazilians might not be the best way, but at least it's a step forward. Um, maybe not the best, not not the most ethical one you'll see, but I I think you you cannot doubt their ambition there. To be honest. Feel about that league, uh, Leroy. Do, do, do you think it is something we're going to see? You know, casting our, you know, crystal ball, um, hypothetically casting your, 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 you know, your vision into the future of maybe 10 years. What do, what do you see for this Chinese league? Because they are starting to, 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 to impact on world football as, as, you know, we're, we're highlighting here at the moment. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty weird because, um, I, I think Armando might, might know more about this, but if you compare the, the Chinese league to, to the, to the MLS, they're both trying to break into being that uh, top league to, to be maybe like the top uh, five, top six, top seven leagues in the world. And they are both going about it, uh, going going at about it in, in very, very different fashion. Like like the MLS has, has the salary caps and, and they're going for big names, but without overpaying, uh, probably getting names that are more um, well-known and, and these, these players are, are willing to move there for the lifestyle and, and players like uh, Andrea Pirlo, like um, Steven Gerrard, like players like this, you know, um, trying to build the league up by, by the name, right? by the name of the players. But China, China they are they're more like just splashing the cash and getting as, as, as many players here uh, to China as possible. And um, I, it's hard to say. I think, I think that's really what, what I was trying to yeah. say, Leroy. Mm. Is this, you know, it appears they're throwing cash, but is there a structure there? You, you know yourself, yeah. you see leagues, leagues implode and explode because just really badly managed financially. Mm. Do, 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 do you get any, any impression of that? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure because, um, football's all about money recently. Um, and, and it's hard to say whether what they're doing is, 
um, going to work or not. But ethically, it might not be the best because you're sort of um, in- inflating the, the, the market prices, uh, being able to, to pay these ridiculous um, transfer fees and, and that means higher Asian fees and, and that means higher probably higher wages as well. So um, I'm not sure it's the right step for football, but it might be the right step for China. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. And um, I, I guess straying away from that a little bit, I think something that you'll find pretty interesting is that Robinho, the one star, the starlet of, of like Real Madrid and, and, and teams like that, he actually didn't got released. Didn't know what Timmy signed for in Manchester, those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> he got released by, by Guangzhou Evergrande in, in, in January, I believe. And that's, that's pretty crazy to see someone so talented and he ends up in the Chinese league and actually gets released from a, from a Chinese club. So, uh, it's a very sad story, but uh, things happen, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, on that point of the MLS comparison to the Chinese league, I think it's a little bit different in the MLS. Like you said, they're going about it very different ways. I just think the MLS is, um, they're trying to grow very in a very controlled environment without overspending and, and putting their league at at, at risk for to, to going under like much like the old NASL you'd remember that Dave probably when oh, the Cosmos and, and stuff like that when you know Beckenbauer Pele all that but the league was crap and and the other owners couldn't compete with the Cosmos so even though the Cosmos were good in financial stead the rest of the league wasn't and that caused them to collapse I think the only difference here with China though is their money is incredibly long and their pockets are incredibly deep and I think they can do this and sustain this for a few years but until the the they develop the game nationally and and their national players get better I don't know if that league can sustain it for 10 years or so you know well, I don't know, Mando. For, for me, I, I think, you know, I, I know we look at, we've looked at the MLS before in these pods and, and, you know, the model, the business model of it, it they seem to have it pretty spot on. They're not overcommitting themselves. That they're, they're, they're building in a very structured way. Right. Um, I, I would worry about the Far East, you know, how much control of FIFA, how, how much control of those things. And, and, and again, you know, it, it's just like this league is just appearing out, you know, it's like a skyscraper appearing out of the sky all of a sudden. Uh, and certainly here in Brazil, you know, people are, are starting to take notice given the amount of, 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 of home talent here that is, that is moving there. Again, a, a lot of that has to do with the financial thing. Again, we, we've done it to death in this pod, Mando, um, about, you know, the wages c- concerns and whatnot and, and, and the money floating around Brazil or the lack of it. Uh, well, there's plenty of it, but it's just not going to the players. It's behind wardrobes and behind uh, behind radiators at the CBF. But, um, you, you know, as I say, I would just worry about that kind of, you know, the, the sound of this kind of money in China, that kind of corruption being behind it as well. And, and I just don't like to see that in, in, in emerging leagues, especially. No, man, I tend to agree with you. I think there's always that, you know, FIFA factor and it, it always rears its head. And, and I, I could see that, Dave, you know, but... I don't know. I think it's more that you have to develop the game for your league to be strong. I think the MLS is getting stronger because the game in the U.S. is developing more. I think Mexican league is getting stronger year on year because we've in Mexico devoted a lot of time to building the youth programs and to building that type, the academies and having these players play together at the national side, traveling the world very young and stuff like that. So I think that has something to do with it, but I know we're going on a totally different tangent and then, then let's, yes, get, let's get back, let's, let's get, get back, back to transfers. <laughs> um, Leroy, mm. um, any more obscure, you know, teams, obscure transfers in, in, in smaller leagues, maybe before we move on to the bigger names and stuff. Yep. I've got two more names here. Um, the first one would be, Someone that I think all three of us are very, very familiar with. And that's Luis Garcia being unattached to any team. And now he's signed for the Central Coast Mariners. And I think 
that's brilliant for the Australian league. I think um, the Aussies will definitely enjoy watching him. And I'm 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 pretty sure that uh, Liverpool is a pretty pretty big has a big following in in Australia. So big big off to them. I I think they will have a, a fun time watching him because. He's still pretty good. I think he hasn't lost his touch at all, to be honest. So I think they will definitely enjoy watching him. And um, the second one I have is actually a pretty funny one because Kevin Grosskreutz, I think uh, most of us will know about Kevin Grosskreutz. He's, he was part of um, Klopp's Dortmund team that, that took the Bundesliga and the Champions League by storm. He actually uh, moved from Dortmund to Galatasaray in the summer. But because uh, Galatasaray, they submitted some documents late and things like that, he couldn't move in time, so he was due to start um, being a Galatasaray player in, in January. But before even playing a single game for, for the Turkish club, he actually signed for Stuttgart. So <laughs> that that's a pretty weird merry-go-round happening that I, I, I've not seen something like that in a very long time. Actually uh, having a pre-contract and then after that, without even playing a single, single minute for the club you move to another club one straight away. So, funny story there from Kevin Grosskreutz. No, indeed. And, like, you know, decent player as well. Um, who, who have you got up next? Or, or, or Armando, have you, have you any questions on that one? Because I don't, you can, you, you can fire in. No, I think that that situation just kind of reminds me of the Arda Turan move, except, I mean, obviously Arda is now playing at Barcelona, but that kind of reminds me of that, how he had to wait for the whole, for, for yeah. you know, the whole, the, till now, actually. No, indeed. So, Leroy, let, let, let's let, let's kick on with the next one. And, and who who have you got up for us? Yeah, I think um, we'll move into the, into the Premier League, and, and I think uh, we'll start off with. Um, I think um, we can go with some of the younger players that that has moved, um, whether within or, or to the Premier League, and and I have five players here in, in mind that that I listed out. So, um, the first one is Marco Gruhitz, uh from Red Star Belgrade to Liverpool, and then being loaned back to Red Star. I think that's a that's a really good move from from Liverpool and, and for something like five million pounds, I think that's not that that's hardly a risk at all. Um, very good move from Liverpool there. Um, the next one I have is uh Demarai Gray from Birmingham to to Leicester for something around uh four million pounds. I think that's an excellent signing from from Leicester. Demarai Gray is one of the up and coming players, uh, sort of in that Raheem Sterling sort of role, like um that that white player who who's very quick and, and very good on the ball. So I think big ups to Leicester for, for actually getting him and snapping him up early. Um, Sam Byram, I think uh, you guys should know Dave Hendrick, one of your very regular guests, he has been banging on about Sam Byram moving from Leeds to, to West Ham. So hopefully he develops well. Um, another one for Leicester would be Daniel Amati from uh, moving from Copenhagen to Leicester um, for £5 million as well, I think. Um, I've not seen too much of uh, Amati, but the last time I watched him, he was pretty good. Um, nothing too spectacular, but I think maybe the Premier League move right now is something that um, that would suit him. I think it's the right time. I think he's 21. It's time for him to take that step up, especially if he's um, maybe getting too big for his uh, for, for the league, for the Danish league. So perhaps this is a good move for him. And the last one is actually one that I want to ask uh, Armando about because I'm not too familiar with this player. And that's Matt uh, Miasga, Miasga, moving from the New York Red Bulls to Chelsea for for peanuts as well. So apparently he's one of the best centre backs in 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 the USA. So um, we would like your thoughts on that, Armando, definitely. Yeah, Matt Miazga is actually one of the nicer uh, center backs that we've seen, defenders that we've seen come out of MLS. I think it's what MLS should be doing, developing these young talents, uh, identifying them early and then selling them off. I think right now is the best for the league uh, as far as this is concerned. But I think he's... 
for Chelsea, he probably won't make an impact immediately. Um, he might take a year on loan. They love to loan their players out. That might be what happens with him. But I do think he has a lot of skill on the ball. He's good in the air. He's strong. He's a good leader. We've seen it in the under, uh, in the youth teams for the U.S. and and, and I've seen him in, in in the senior side. He's played a couple games. He's he's strong. He's smart. He's vocal. He's what you want. He's well organized. He's a player I like. And and I'm not that surprised that he made a move to to Europe. I'm a little surprised that he made a move to Chelsea. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to stagnate his. Career career a little because of the playing time and stuff like that but if he can get it rolling get a good loan going and prove himself there I think he really does have a shot to succeed at Chelsea and in the Premier League yeah um just wanted to ask one more question um is, is he more of a left-sided player or, 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 or right center back he, because, he, um, hmm? he's more of a right right-sided center back he, he's okay mm. with his left foot. He has a good solid two feet. He has good touch and stuff and, and, and stuff like that but he's, he's more comfortable and, and I've seen him almost exclusively on the right side I see because um I, I was asking that because they have Kurt Zuma. I think that's that's the long term plan for for Chelsea moving forward in the centre back department, and with John Terry probably moving uh leaving the club on on, on a free uh in the summer and Gary Cahill reportedly not being very very happy with minutes. I think um if Miazga is actually ready to step up and, and become a first team player for Chelsea. Um, I thought maybe if he was a left-sided uh, centre-back, it would suit Chelsea more so that they can play Kazuma on the right because Zuma is a little bit uh, more comfortable being on the right. But yeah, I, I think um, on top of Miazga, maybe Chelsea might want to look at another centre-back on top of Miazga to to sort of um, slowly help him to bet in rather than to than to throw him into the fray right now and, and possibly... Um, being detrimental to to his development. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably the way they will go about it, and I think that's probably what their thought process is here. At least that would be my thought process. I, I tend to agree with you on that. Yeah, I, I think I think I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Leroy, you know, you talk a little bit about Leicester there, yeah, you know, and, the, and the type of player that they've bought. Um, you know, I'm I'm just sort of curious, given their position in the league at the moment, which which nobody could have seen, and um, you know, fair fair play to them. Um, <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air actually in the Premier League this year, watching them. Um, although not last night, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know, I'm just wondering how much of an impact do you think that, that that these players could make in 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 the Leicester sort of race for the title? Because that's what it is at the moment. There's no there's no there's no disguising it. Yeah, I I think. Um Perhaps these are not players that will impact the team for this season, but they can still indirectly impact by being that um, the backup to to some of the some of the first team players like Demarai Gray can actually slot in and play instead of um, someone like Mark or Brighton, for example. So they might use um, Gray and and Amati for for these kind of roles, more like uh, slotting in when when need be to to rest some players, be it as a substitute or as a starter. So. I don't think they'll impact all too much, but I think they'll definitely be be helpful to to Leicester's um, title challenge this season. You know, you, you talked about Chelsea there as well, and there was a, there was another move from Corinthians to Chelsea, and, and you know, it, this guy was bandied about everywhere. Um, you, you know, there was talk of him going to Liverpool, there was talk of him going to China. Um, mm-hmm. I think his agent offered him all around the world, and nobody wanted him. Alexandre Pato. Uh, yep. and ended up with a six month loan then at Chelsea. And, and the, the rumor, and, and, and the rumor is that it's some kind of, uh, an agreement between Abramovich and his agent that Abramovich, Abramovich owed the agent a favor. So took Pato for six months. Um, you know, have you seen much of him here in Brazil? Um, Leroy, and, and, you know, I, I just cannot for the life of me see him making much of an impact at Chelsea. Yeah, the thing is that I've only watched one sort of full game of his and the rest are all highlights and you know how highlights can sort of skew the 
the the perception of how a player is. So he still seems very good. Um, if you if you look at the highlights, but you know they're they're highlights for a reason. They're they're the best of the best that you can get. Uh, the the best clips you can get from from maybe like let's say twenty thirty games. So I don't think that's a very fair way of looking at how Pato is. But um. From that one game, I, think you, I that, think you really need to put it in the context as well of you know <laughs> the league and how slow it is. You, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pedestrian league, um, and that's mm-hmm. the reason that you know. And, and he excelled in it last year. There's no doubt about it. He was scoring for fun at Sao Paulo, um, mm. but again. You look at him and you go, can you take that to the Premier League? Can you take that? You know, he's not the most physical player in the world. Yeah. And, and that league has defenders that will stamp all over you. And, and I just think that, that he is destined to fail, sadly. I, I, I think, um, Chelsea might want to use him more of like a Javier Hernandez kind of, um, kind of role coming on, uh, maybe around, uh, an hour into a game and, and sort of change the whole tempo up because, um, he might not be the quickest, but he's pretty, um, agile. I think he's still pretty mobile and, and very, um, uh, sneaky sometimes. So maybe he might be, instead of being that, uh, player that you, that, that you play and, and have him run, run and, and be, and meet the ends of, of two balls and things like that. Maybe they might want to use him sort of like a, like a poacher, like, uh, like a Javier Hernandez, as I mentioned. So maybe that might be the, the, the plan for him. So, uh, between Pato and his country, uh, fellow countryman, uh, Diego Costa, or should I say, uh, maybe now he's, he's Costa. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, you're, you're, you're in dangerous territory. <laughs> Nobody wants him anymore. <laughs> With Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, should I should say he's, uh, um, former countryman, perhaps. That, that's Spanish um, thug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're two very different players, if you ask me. Um, Costa's not the quickest, but he's more of that. All round kind of striker and pato, um, may not be, um, it might not, it might not be accurate to call him a one trick pony, but he sort of excelled in the past due to his ball control and his pace. So they are pretty, um, different players if you ask me. So, um, I think the, the way forward for pato and Chelsea is to actually to use pato as, as a super sub kind of, uh, kind of player where when you need to either stretch out the game and, and try to, um, Increase your, your lead or, or to maybe try and get back, get, get back into the game, maybe. So I'm not too sure, but, um, let, let's see. I think, I think time will tell. Yeah, absolutely, man. I can, I can see that. And Pato, I'm not the biggest fan of Alessandro Pato either. I tend to agree with Dave. I don't think he's going to succeed too much at Chelsea. Uh, yeah, he scored a lot of goals at Sao Paulo, but at the same time, he missed a lot of clear cut chances. He was very wasteful and, and, you know, he's not going to have as much time. So that, that does worry me a little. Um, but yeah, Libro, let's, let's move on. Uh, maybe, maybe the Spanish league, maybe we could touch on that just a little bit, um, quickly here. Uh, what do you, what do you, what are the nicest moves or your favorite moves of the Spanish league so far in this window or at the end of this window? Yeah. I, I think, um, the Spanish league has been, uh, relatively quiet in January. I, I don't see all too many huge moves. Um, one player is, um, that I like to highlight is sort of, um, a player that was very highly touted, I think Liverpool were, were linked to him as well, if my memory serves me right, and that's Christian Atsu. Uh, he moved from Chelsea to, to Malaga on loan. So perhaps that's again the case of um, a player moving away from Chelsea to get playing time. So that, that's pretty interesting for him. Um, there are two more, and, and that's actually um, Christian Terrio moving from uh, Barcelona to Fiorentina on loan. I think that's a very, very interesting move. I think it's uh, pretty ballsy from, from Fiorentina to try to get Christian Tello and, and try to reignite his career. So I think, I think that would, would maybe work well for the player, but, uh, um, 
it's hard to say Christian Terrio has been pretty disappointing considering the hype that was building up around him. And uh, the other one is uh, Ciro Immobile moving from uh, Sevilla to, to Torino on loan, uh, moving back to his um, native country. I think that's probably a, a move that, as, as we said earlier, is something that uh, that happened with, with the Euros in mind. Maybe Immobile wants to get into that Italian squad and actually cement his place in the Italian squad. And this move might uh, be the right one for him, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that seems to be a theme in this window for the Spanish sides. It's, 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 it's players that are trying to either make their mark on a national team or a player that's trying to reinvigorate their career, both the ins and outs, I think, in the Spanish league. A player for me that, that went to Sporting Guillon from, from Porto is, uh, Igor Lishnovsky, and that's a, a center back who was highly touted coming, uh, out of the 2013, um, under 20 uh, World Cup in Turkey for Chile and he was a player that he's poised he's good on the ball he's strong he's comfortable in possession he just never got his chance at Porto he, he kind of stagnated there and we've seen that with center backs Diego Reyes was the same there so they don't really get their chance and, and now he's going to Guillon trying to get his cement spot in, in Chile's Copa America side so I, I do like the moves going on in Spain because I do think they're going to impact they have a big impact on a broader picture you know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I see what you mean there. I think, um, I, I think you're absolutely right in that this window is more like to, to cement, uh, any, or try to break into any national teams for the Euros or for, for the Olympics or, or, or competitions like that. But I think one thing that's, that's pretty interesting to note is that Ada Turan and, uh, Alex Vidal is, uh, finally playing for, for Barcelona. And with that said, I think that's the, first step uh, of Barcelona to actually revamp the, the site. I think in the summer we'll see a huge, huge um, I, I think uh, uh, yeah, a, a revamp in, in the Barcelona site. I think they'll go for centre midfielders, I think they'll go for centre backs and um, probably a right back to replace uh, Danny Alves but I think uh, Vidal actually will actually do that in the near future. So also I, I think what's hanging up in the air is um, the future of uh, Marc-Andre Teskert Stegen. Does he stay and, and, uh, possibly be another, um, have another season at Barcelona where he plays the cup games and Champions League games, but not have that regular week to week, uh, league game? So, um, that, that's a, that's a pretty interesting one to watch for the summer. Yeah, Leroy, these are all a lot of interesting questions. And the La Liga is always a very interesting and fascinating league um, with the relegation going on all the time, with the teams always battling down there. The, the, it, it seems to be very competitive down there. And then you always have the top, the Champions League teams trying to, to battle out the top three sides always going for that title. And it's re- really interesting, and I think this will be no different. But I think this is a good stopping point for us, a good break, and then we'll take that break and we'll come back and we'll continue with this uh, January transfer window. You're listening to, to the Unfield Index. Welcome back from after the break, everyone. It seems Dave has had some internet troubles and he's had to drop out, but it's okay. Me and Leroy are more than capable of handling this, and we're going to go ahead and uh, continue on with this transfer special podcast. Leroy, um, Alex Teixeira seems to have just made a move to China, or at least it's reported that he made a move to China after Shakhtar uh Dines turned down an offer from Liverpool early on in the window for him to join Liverpool. They took a little bit more money, about 15 million euros more, uh, for what's reported for Teixeira. What are your thoughts on this move, him going to China and potentially joining up with Ramirez? Yeah, this is a funny thing because he's came up, come out and said that he wants to play for the national team, but then he goes on to make a move to China. Um, I don't think that's the smartest move if you want to bring to into the Brazilian national team because, uh, let's face it, they are at both ends of the world and 
I, I'm not too sure if someone like Dunga would be looking at, at the Chinese players. Maybe maybe now he would pay a little bit more attention because uh, there have been so many Bra- Brazilian players moving to uh, to the Chinese league in, in recent months. So uh, I, I think it will dampen his, his chances of being in the Brazil squad. But uh, let's see. Um, it's, it's pretty weird because if... If anything, I think he should be pushing for them for a move to Liverpool, regardless of uh, whether the owners have been uh, hard to deal with or not. But moving to China subsequently, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not too sure if if that's the right move for him to be honest. But I mean, can you blame him, Leroy, with the um, reported figure of money that he seems to be going to be getting on a weekly basis? Seems to be four to five, maybe six times what what was reported Liverpool offering him. I mean, with such a short window in a footballer's career, we've seen it. It can it can end any moment with a bad tackle. You know, anything can happen really. And and so for me, especially with these. You know, players that come from lower income countries like Brazil, you know, these types of players, I, I can't really blame them. What are your thoughts on that part of it? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I, I think Dave has mentioned it uh, several times on, on several podcasts that um, these Brazilian players, um, they, they don't earn that much in, in, in the Brazilian league. And, and whenever they can, whenever they can get that step up in, in wages or salaries, they, they will definitely go for it. And I think one thing is mainly because of their families. Um but you have to sometimes, I guess, um, you have, you have to think about the balance between making a living and also um, your your future career because maybe this um this, this move to China might be a short term one like like we've seen so many players go there for six months or or or, or twelve months and then after that their career goes on a deep dive from there so career wise might not be the best but if financially he thinks that is the best move then. Then all props to him, I guess. Completely understand that sentiment, my friend. But yeah, man, Leroy, let's move on. I know you want to chat a little bit more about Premier League moves and some, some, you know, acquisitions that, that have been made in England. So go right ahead, man. Where do you want to lead us? Yeah, I, I think, um, before we go for the big hitters, maybe we can go for, uh, players who move on, on loan or, or on the free to the Premier League. I think, I think the first player that I'll talk about is Emmanuel Adibayo moving to Crystal Palace on the free. I think that's a, a pretty smart move from Crystal Palace because um, I'm uh, they actually lost Patrick Bamford. Um, Chelsea sort of got him back and loaned uh, Patrick Bamford out to Norwich. So Adibayo coming in and stepping in for Crystal Palace on a free transfer, I, I don't see anything too um, risky with that. I, I think it's a pretty smart move. Um, he may come in, score... A handful of goals, maybe five to seven goals, uh, throughout the uh the rest of the season. So, I think that's a pretty smart move from Crystal Palace. There, there are other loan moves as well, um, especially players moving from, uh, the Championship to the Premier League. And but to be honest, they are more Premier League level. And, and that's Sandro, um, and and Leroy Fair moving from Queens Park Rangers to uh West Brom and Swansea, uh, respectively. I, I think those are pretty smart moves as well. Um, they're both. Very uh combative midfielders, and if they can perform well again uh in in the Premier League level, that would be a right step in the it would be a step in the right direction for them career wise. No, for sure, man. And actually, Adebayor, I think, like you said, should be a positive for them. And and um, Sandro is a player I've always liked. He's just had a problem staying healthy, I think. And then mm-hmm. uh, I think he adds something that some a lot of teams in the Premier League need a little bit of toughness and a little bit of you know. Uh, I don't know, aggressiveness in that midfield. And, and, and I think that, uh, it's going to be a good move for West Brom. I think it's going to solidify them. And, and, and I really like him as a player. Leroy Fair is another player that I do like, and I think he's going to do well in the Premier League again. And it's just good to see these players not wallowing in, in, in the championship if they have better quality to show, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and especially that, um, 
maybe we'll get into this later, but Swansea has actually sold uh, John Lushelby to Newcastle. So this move for Leroy Fair on, on alone is is not the worst at all. Um, if he performs well, then uh, they might want to secure him on a permanent transfer at the end of the season. But if he doesn't, then it's fine. Just let him go back to Queen's Park Rangers and Swansea will, will reassess from there. So I think I think it's a pretty smart move. Hell yeah, you just mentioned John Joe. What are your thoughts on John Joe Shelby moving to Newcastle? You think that's going to really help them uh, stay up, if if at all possible, or do you think that uh, he'll be there in the long term? Even because I mean, if they go down, I can't see John Joe staying in the championship. The weird thing about that is that um, I, I'm not I'm just not sure whether John Joe Shelby is moving there for the money or or if if he really uh, legitimately feels that he has uh, he, he has a good chance of, of getting a lot of playtime for for the Euros at the end of the season because uh, let, let's face it um, Newcastle they don't have the worst of midfielders um, they have uh, Wijnaldum they have they have De Jong the, the attacking midfielder then they have Jack Colback, um they have Musa Sissoko so I'm not so sure where he fits in that Newcastle midfield but um, if I I guess maybe he could come in for uh, CMD Young at the attacking midfield role. I, I think that's something that could work for him. But like, I, I think um, John Lucherovic's move to Newcastle is not the most um, surprising thing. Um, I, I think the most surprising one is that um, they actually bought uh, Andros Townsend from Spurs as well. Um, both Shelby and, and Townsend costing twelve million pounds each, and that's a pretty happy absurd, for- absurd, yeah, absurd it's- that Andres Townsend <laughs> is worth twelve million pound. Absurd, yeah. It's absurd that John Shelby is also worth twelve million pounds, and and that's a big coup for for Swansea, if you ask me. I think they paid um maybe five million pounds less for John Shelby uh, when they acquired him from us. So it, it it's a pretty weird move from Newcastle. They are they are trying to fight for relegate uh, out from the relegation, but. They spent twenty four million on two. I guess not fully fulfilled um, English players, so that's a pretty weird move from them. But I guess in a sense they actually um, counter that by by signing a very very good uh, striker in my in my opinion on loan, and that's uh, Sedu Dumbia from from Roma. Uh, Dumbia is a, a very very attacking, um, very aggressive striker. So I think that's a pretty uh, smart coup from them. Just not sure how. The Shelby and Townsend deals make sense, but this Dumbia deal is is pretty solid, if you ask me. No, that's a good shout, man, and that's somebody that we've seen score goals in Russia throughout his career, and then he went to Serie A with Roma. He didn't have a particularly good spell there, but we've seen him score a lot of goals in the Champions League in, in Europe and, and and in Russia, so we know what he can do. So that's a good shout, man, and and like you said, at least, but John Joe Shelby at least was already playing, getting quite a bit of time at Swansea in a Premier League team. Andres Townsend, on the other hand, training with the under twenty ones not getting much time that one to me is a little bit more surprising but let's move on Leroy what are the big names or the bigger names that you really want to talk about here yeah I, I think that there are perhaps two big names here and that's uh, Jan Manuel Iterbe from Roma to Bournemouth on loan and I and I believe Bournemouth have the, the option to sign him on a permanent basis at the end of the season for something like 20 uh, upwards of 20 million euros and for a club like Bournemouth I think that's that's super ambitious uh, Jan Manuel Iterbe is a uh, he was a very, very bright prospect, but his his stint at Roma wasn't the best. He was very good pre-Roma, though, because he was a, a very talented player, very good uh, with the ball at his feet. He can, he, he's a very good dribbler, very fast. Um, so I, I think that that's a very good move from, from Bournemouth. If, if he does become the player that they think he is, then maybe they might, they will want to splash out that, that uh, 20 million euros or, or, or that figure for him, if, if it's worth it. But if, if it doesn't work, then it's fine because they, they tested waters and, and it, it didn't work out as planned. So they could just uh, perhaps not take up the option, maybe pay a minimal fee. But 
But yeah, I think that's a, a smart signing from from Burnmouth once again. And to partner uh, Yon Manuel Itabe, they actually signed Benick Afobi from um uh from Wolves for ten million pounds. So that's another big, considerably big signing. Um, ten million pounds for some for a club like Burnmouth is not very typical of them. So to partner these two together, by the end of the season, we might see something like a a thirty million uh pound investment for two players and and again that's not typical for a club like Burnmouth. No, it's not, but it just shows their ambition to want to stay in this league, how much it means to them the club and and, and it's good because you know, they got one of the brightest young managers in, in England and in Europe and, and it's good to see him getting the backing that, that he can now that he's in a Premier League situation. And, and like you said, Afobi's a, a good little striker. He's going to score goals and continue to score goals. We've seen that already in a short time there now. And Iturbe, that left foot of his is magic. We've seen it in the past. And I know Roma, like you said, wasn't exactly the best destination for him or he didn't have the best spell there. But he is a quality player with a ton, ton of talent. And then that's something that's very exciting for me to see well and I, I like what Burnmouth is doing man yeah yeah likewise likewise and um, I, I guess moving to another club that, that has been spending a, a pretty hefty amount as well is um, Everton Everton actually signed Uma Niasse from uh, Lokomotiv Moscow and 13 million uh, 13.5 million pounds I, I believe that's also a very very huge investment pretty risky um, because you never know how these Russian players can um, integrate into the Premier League we've seen some hit and misses here and there but if he does uh, translate well and his uh, play from from the Russian league actually translates well to the Premier League, then Everton has uh, they've got they've got a player uh, in their hands. To be honest, how do you see him? I haven't seen too much of him really, but I do hear he's an exciting prospect. How much? Um, what? How? How can you expect him to fit in with with Romelu Lukaku or, and then Delufeo and and Ross Barkley? How do you expect Roberto Martinez to make all that work, man? Yeah, this is a hard thing because um, I've not seen much of Umaniasi as well, but. Uh, in, in the past few days, I've actually um, sort of researched on him a little bit more, especially when Dave Hendrick on on his podcast, um, he had uh, Yaro LFC, um, both of them actually discussed Niyase to uh, a fair extent and, and, and they actually agreed that he's actually a very good player. So I, I've been doing a bit of research and, and I'm just not sure where he fits exactly in the Everton side. Um, Everton are not are not shy of uh, talented players and I think for now Niasse is probably going to be that um, to, to play the Aiden McGeady role where, where he comes off the bench and, and maybe try to influence from there and then uh, maybe from there Roberto Martinez will sort of assess where he might fit in well but I, I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to knock um, Ross Buckley off his perch to be honest because Ross Buckley has been performing um, performing ex- Excellently this season so far. Yeah, we've seen a, a lot of their attackers being playing pretty well. Lukaku's been in good form. Kone's even been in good form. I think it's just been um, their midfield that's been let th- letting them down. So, I mean, it's a good move for them, but I think they could have um, probably improved in different areas as well. Um, you got anything else for us, Leroy? Any other players that you'd like to mention in the Premier League? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I have four more, but um, okay. let's go for before the the last one, which I think is the biggest one of the of the transfer window. Uh, let's go with the bargain buys, uh, or maybe the potential bargain buys. Um, I have three players in, in that category. Um, the first one is Charlie Austin. I mean, moving from QPR to Southampton for four million pounds. Um, he's already scored on his debut. Charlie Austin is never shy of scoring goals. So four million pounds for, for someone like Southampton is, is nothing. It's peanuts and it's, it's a low, it's a, a low investment for someone that can bring high returns and, by high returns, I mean at least 10, 10 to 15 goals maybe uh, at, uh, on average. So I think that's a very, very good move from Southampton. Really smart of them to snap someone like Charlie Austin up for £4 million. 
I agree, man. I'm kind of sad. I'm sure you are too. Liverpool didn't try to make a move there. Charlie Austin's a player that's, you know, proved what he can do in the Premier League. He might not be the most impressive with his skill set and everything else, but he outworks people and he's always in the right position and he just scores goals. Charlie Austin is, is a coup for sure for Southampton. Yeah, I, I think he is. And, and I think he was fitting seamlessly with, with the Southampton team. And especially that there are rumours of uh, Graziano Pele moving back to Italy at the end of the season. Chaliosin might soften that blow a little bit and, and it doesn't cause Southampton to, to be in a desperate, desperate need for a striker in, in, in the summer. So uh, they're not vulnerable to, to clubs uh, trying to fork out money from them and try to extort money out of them for, for their own strikers. So I think that's a very smart move from Southampton overall. Um, but I guess other than other than Charlie Austin, um, another one is Mario Suarez from Fiorentina to Watford. The Great rumor- shout. Great shot. Yeah, I think I think that's a very smart move from Watford as well. Um, um, the rumored price is somewhere around in in, in the low uh in the low millions for, uh in 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 euros as well for for Watford. So I, I I think five million euros. I think that's a pretty fair number to to estimate. But Mario Suarez um he he performed so well at Atletico Madrid and moving to Fiorentina didn't have the best of times there, but. If Watford can bring out the best of him and, and bring out that Atletico Madrid side of him, I think they've got a very good midfielder uh, in their hands as well. I agree with that. What he was able to do at Atleti was was quite impressive. So I think Watford really have a, have a player in their hands and he's only going to help that midfield, absolutely. Yeah, and if he partners well with uh, Etienne Capui, I think that midfield too will be... <laughs> That means for two of you, so that was the thing. Yeah, Watford has a, has a surprisingly good club. Igalo has, has proved to be quite the goal scorer, someone I'm a fan of. I like I like his game. I like the way he plays and goes about it. Dini seems to have a good motor. They seem to have some good players. And what surprised me there is when they got rid of Miguel Layun, a Mexican national, and, and, and they let him go to Porto, they, they've still continued seamlessly and, and, and had no issues. And he, was the, he scored their first goal in the Premier League this season, and then they shipped him out like two days later, which is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um... But but I think it's it's not too weird to to see these kind of um I guess quote unquote smaller clubs coming into the Premier League and and they just want to take it by storm. So these kind of signings are are what will in, improve the Premier League in the long term. I I believe. Um, but moving on from I I guess one center midfielder or defensive midfielder to another. I think Arsenal have also made a very smart move in going for Mohamed Elneny from from Basel. Um, for five million pounds as well. I think that's uh uh that's a very Arsene Wenger like move because you are you are just putting out so much uh, so little so the money is so little uh, five million pounds is not much at all for, for a club like arsenal but he could potentially be one of the best signings for them um he could improve that midfield so much and with aging players like like ateta like kazola even starting to to reach that uh the the 30 year old mark i i think someone like nanny for five million pounds to, to try to fix that midfield and to try to Lessen the burden of someone like uh, Coquelin. I think very Arsenal Wenger like move very very smart and for minimal uh out I I guess for for minimal investment you could get high returns as well. So that's why I, I categorize him as a bargain buy as well. That's a good shout, man. And we've seen how Arsenal struggles when Coquelin isn't playing or he's out injured and stuff like that. So getting cover for him is good to to see for them at least. Like they really needed that. Flamini serves a purpose in his role and everything, but he's still you know a massive downgrade on Coquelin. So I think that they did get the player or the role that they needed most in this window. Yeah, and, and I think um, it's also good for the long-term planning because uh, Coquelin's like 23, 24, and I think Anani's about the same age. So if you're looking like three, four years down the line, 
when they are a little bit older, maybe the 27, 28-year-old mark, then Wenger can actually, Wenger or I guess uh, the future Arsenal uh, manager, if it comes to be. It'll be Wenger it forever. Be... It'll be Wenger forever. He <laughs> 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 was a grave. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I guess three, four years from now, you can see someone like uh, Christian Bielic uh, come into the side. Uh, he's, he's the young player that they bought. I think they bought in the summer, if I, if I, if I believe. He's, he's just 18 years old. He, he'll develop in, in the Arsenal youth side and, he, and he'll come in seamlessly three, four years from now. And that's yet again another Arsene Wenger-like um, decision. Bringing two players in to, to lessen the burden now. But three, four years from now, he has that backup plan. He has that um, the long-term successor to, to the midfield role. And I think that's what's made them so successful for so long is that foresight that Arsene Wenger has. And he's, he's never, uh, overreacts, uh, to situations in the transfer market. And he's always looking ahead. And that's, it's, it's good for Arsenal fans because it's given them stability for so long. But go ahead, Leroy. Let's move on to the next player. Yeah. I think that the last one is, is the, is the biggest one. The, I guess this is the, the coup de grave of the, of the transfer window for the Premier League cl- uh, club. And that's, uh, Gianelli Imbula moving from Porto to Stoke City, 18, uh, about the 18 million pound range. I think that's also, it's a fantastic signing. Um, if, if you think the account that Imbula performs so well at Marseille, but if you take his Porto performances into account, you would, you would think that it's crazy to, to, to shell out 18 million pounds like that. But I, I think that is the kind of signing that Stoke City want to make because they want to show their ambition. They really want to show to other players as well that, hey, look, we can, we can, uh, fork out the calf, uh, transfer fees for players like Imbula. So if you want to come, sure, we will sign you and, and don't, uh, expect anything less other than to, for us to sign other, um, potentially world class players as well. No, absolutely. Mbula's a player that has the talent. We've seen that, like you said, but his time in Porto wasn't exactly the best. Lepetegui didn't really... Um favor him too much and my thing is I'm just continually impressed with Porto's transfer business they always make a good profit on players they always know when the time is right to move players on and then they they constantly replace with younger talent from all over the world really right now that they're focusing a lot in, in North American region Mexico so some even you know stateside players are going over there on loan and getting signed so to be fair Porto's really impressive with their transfer business and they have been for quite some time yeah yeah for sure uh, Porto has been very very famous for that and and I think uh, Jorge Mendes actually made a ton of money from from this move uh trying to move Imbula to to Stoke City I believe um he eclipsed the the 1.5 billion mark for uh brokerage fees and things like that if if what I read was correct so Jorge Mendes one of the biggest um I guess one of the most efficient uh agents in the world so Big ups to him for, for earning a ton of money, I guess. That's insanity right there, man. Jesus mm. Christ. But yeah, Leroy, let's move on, man. Is there any other leagues you want to cover? Any other players that we might have missed that you want to talk about? Uh, before, um, I want to talk a little bit about a couple MLS moves and stuff. So if you have anything before that, that'd be great. Sure. Um, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll go with like, uh, four more players if you don't mind. No, by so, all means, Leroy. Um, Mauro Zarate, uh, West Ham to Fiorentina for the, the fee is pretty undisclosed, but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a, minimal amount but Zarate wow what what a, a career path he's taking um, he was one of the touted as one of the best uh, young talents to come up maybe 4-5 or five years ago injuries ridden him and then moved to West Ham had a pretty good start but now he's moving back to Fiorentina I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure how uh, how his career is going to pan out from there um, other than that um, Stefan El Shavari I think that's a player that a lot of uh, FIFA players will know 
moving from AC Milan to AS Roma on loan. Um, also, again, I, I guess maybe he is the substitute to, uh, or should I say, the replacement to uh, Jan Manuel Iterbe. I think Roma is taking another chance at uh, Al Shawari and and see where where and how he progresses at um at Roma. And if it works again, maybe they'll step up the fee and and, and pay for the permanent transfer. So. I guess that's very smart of them as well. Um, another player that uh, Newcastle actually um, discarded, I guess, is uh, Florian Tauwin, uh, moving from um, from Newcastle to Marseille on loan. He's actually moving back to Marseille, I believe. Another player who didn't really fulfill his potential, but maybe at Marseille he will actually um, come back in, into his own into his own groove and play to his uh, regular game again. And, and lastly, is uh, Martin Hinteregger moving from Red Bull Salzburg in Austria to. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think that's a very smart move from Gladbach, uh, especially since again it's a loan deal. Um, Hinteregger is a is a left left sided uh, centre back. He's sort of like Daniel Egger, but a bit taller, a bit stronger. Um, very good on his feet. Uh, he can dribble for for miles. He's a very good passer of, of the ball. I actually wanted him to to come in and maybe learn from Daniel Egger um, from at Liverpool, but to see him move to someone like Gladbach, uh, I got I got nothing. I got not, nothing negative to say about that, if you ask me. No, for sure, man. Those are all good moves. And El Shawari, like you said, not only Iturbe left, but also Jervinho went to uh, China. So they mm. have they have needs in, in the attack and, and out wide. So that was probably, for me, one of the smartest moves that Roma could have made. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Right on, Leroy. Well, for me, the, a couple moves that on this side of the world, mainly just two moves, which really caught some people off guard, were uh, the moves two LA Galaxy players moved to Liga MX. And uh, it caused a little bit of a buzz out here because a lot of players aren't moving from MLS to Liga MX. It's usually the other way around. So uh, because... So for, for, for us, for, for people to understand, Omar Gonzalez has been a designated player for the Galaxy. He's, he, he's been one of their top players for quite some time, a staple in that center back position. And he's made his move down to Pachuca. And that's going to be a place where, uh, he's going to be, I think, fantastic, fit in seamlessly and not have any kind of issues whatsoever. Um, I think that's something that's going to benefit him. Another player that left, um, was Steven Gerrard's midfield partner in Juninho for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. He was a player that was box to box. He could do it all. He could shoot. He could pick a pass and he could defend a little. Juninho's a player that the Galaxy are sorely going to miss but Nigel Dijon coming in is going to allow uh, Stevie to play a little mm. bit more freer role. So I think Bruce Arena knows what he's doing, yeah? And um, so that's a move and Tijuana and Cholos are going to love Juninho. He's going to be a player that's going to really captivate them and excite the fans there, I know it, because he really is a talent. And then coming into the MLS, like I said, um, we have Nigel Dijon. He's coming to the Galaxy. The Galaxy are also getting Ashley Cole, and then they got Gel Van Dam from Standard Liege. All this they got for under one and a half million dollars, and that is an absolute coup. I know these players are older in age and stuff, but for one and a half million dollars for all three of these talents to come in and be first team players, you have to give the Galaxy credit. I think. Yeah, and I and I think that's the the epitome of of what the MLS is. Um, it's totally the opposite of China. China just splashing out the cash, but compare that to to the MLS they're trying to build a brand rather than to remove that salary cap and actually uh, splash as much as you can they're trying to to build a natural growth and I think that's a very very um, respectable way of going uh, going around things I guess um, the Nigel Dion move uh, that slipped my mind that is an excellent shout I think at 31 Nigel Dion still has maybe 2-3 years in him 
That, and, that's the key point there, Leroy. I mean, all these mm. moves coming to MLS recently, 33, 34, 35-year-olds. Yeah, Ashley Young, yeah. 35. Steven Gerrard, 35. Um, Robbie Keane, 35 now. All these yep. players are getting older, yeah? And it's important to get these younger players who still have a couple years in their prime to give the league a little bit more. So I think, like you said, Dejong is a fantastic shout for them. And, and also, I think um, people say that the MLS is a retirement home and things like that. I think you can look at it at the other end of the spectrum where... Um, it's more like if the MLS actually managed to the clubs get to um get the uh the older players in, into the into the league and if they have a good time in 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 the USA and and, and playing wise and culture wise and lifestyle wise, they might actually preach that oh the MLS is not too bad if you ask me and and that might encourage future players to come in earlier and and I think that's one way of going about uh developing the MLS if you ask me. Oh, no, that's a fantastic point. And I think they're doing it the right way. I, I think the, the league is set up in a way to where they don't overspend. They don't, you know, overforce their hand and put themselves in a position to where the league gets weakened. So I think that it's smart the way they're doing it. It, it, it forces front offices to be very smart and creative with their moves. And that's fine. As long as they're getting it done, I like what the Galaxy are doing. I like what a lot of these teams in the MLS recently have been doing. And, and I hope it only continues for the game and globally and, and not just here in North America, but globally for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't disagree with that, to be honest. Okay. Leroy, what, what else do you have for me, man? Um, I, I guess, um, other than that, there's not other moves that, that are too, um, too noteworthy. Uh, maybe there are a few that I've missed out or, or we have, we've all missed out, but, um, that's for another day, I guess. Um, just got two more honorable mentions for players who have retired recently. Um, these two players, um, I've, I've actually seen, so that's why I, I actually chose to mention them. So again, if I missed out any other players, um, Apologies for that, but Damien Duff retired in, in December. He was one of, he was actually touted as a very, very good player for Chelsea, I guess, um, uh, a decade ago, maybe. But for him to move from Chelsea and then to, to, I, I think he moved to Blackburn and then things like that. Um, not the best career path again, but he was what a player he was. Um, I only managed to watch him when he was at, um, post Chelsea, but I've gone back and watched clips of him at Chelsea and boy, what a player he was. Uh, people think that he's the, the, the traditional kind of, uh, chalk, on boots kind of, kind of winger, but he's so much more than that. I think that's very, very underrated of him. And, um, the, the second player who actually retired in January is, uh, Nemanja Vidic. Inter Milan sort of released him and, and he decided, okay, I, I'm just gonna retire. And again, what a career he, he's had. He's been a, a Premier League, uh, winner. Uh, a, he got, he's got a Champions League medal. I think uh, another player that, that, uh, I guess throughout, my lifetime of watching football, he was one of the best center cent- center backs that I've seen ever. He's just so strong in the air. Um, he, he anticipates things so well. So big ups to to. Damien Duff and, and Nemanja Vidic, um, if, if you don't mind me mentioning them. No, absolutely not. Those are fantastic shouts, man. And they, they, they deserve that, especially after the great careers that they've had. But like you said, time's marched on us, Leroy. It's been a ton of fun. I know that there's so many moves and so much happens during this window. It's such a hectic time. Um, but if we come up with a good list and things get talked about and there's a lot of people we miss, then maybe we'll have you back, man, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. A- anytime uh, you and Dave meet me, uh, I'll be there for sure. I appreciate that, man. And I know Dave does too. Anything Anything you want to plug for us, Leroy? What are you working on? You got some articles going on. You got some podcasts. I know the global team for AI has some really special stuff going on for the five-year anniversary here. Yeah, um, I think the global pod has, has something um, planned out. Um, we are trying to work, work it over through the weekend, so so let's see how it goes. Um, I think the thing I want to plug is um, go check out the, the 100 and, and 101st episode of, of uh, the Entry Index main podcast. 
they have John Barnes on there, I, I, I believe. And, and I think that's someone that Dave Karen would be drooling over. I think that's someone that, uh, someone like you and I would love to hear from. And, uh, John Barnes, what, uh, what a player he was for Liverpool and what a speaker he is on podcast. Yeah, John Barnes, man. For us Liverpool fans, he's, he's a legend and he's, he's a phenomenal gent. We've heard that on the podcast and, and it, it was great for him to do that for, for the Anfield Index and for everybody involved there. Um, it was a phenomenal listen. And yeah, like Leroy said, give that a chance, give that a shout and then make sure you guys check that out for me and for Dave. Thank you guys so much. I want to thank Leroy. Thank the listeners. Thank Gags and James for this opportunity and this platform. Uh, from now until the next time we, we chat again, I know there'll be more pods, many more pods from the WFI. Keep your ears peeled to those. Thank you guys so much and bye-bye. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.